Welcome to our e-commerce podcast series investigating the fundamental economic basis of Apple iTunes. This set of podcasts is part of an academic project for Net205 Internet Commerce and Consumers at, at Curtin University in Western Australia. This episode looks at the gift economy. It has been argued that by design, the internet was founded on a gift-based economy that encouraged the sharing and circulation of free information online. The commonly referred to phrase, information wants to be free, was coined by writer Stuart Brand at the first Hackers Conference held in 1984 and reflects the rapid evolution of the web as an ideological discourse used to combat the commodification of online information. Let's take a look at the history of the gift economy. Anthropological studies have found that across the globe many cultures have thrived on engagement of early forms of trading through gifting. This type of gift economy has been practiced in Arab cultures for centuries, embedding itself within their religious, ethical and moral beliefs of generosity, trust, ideas on property and abundance. In Native American and Polynesian cultures, potlatch festivals would be a common practice for a gift-based economic trade that would strengthen relationships between tribes and build solidarity within kinship groups requiring intimate context and emotional authenticity. It has also been discovered that reactions towards the 20th century capitalist economic model by the Marxist avant-garde situationists in the late 50s forged an anarcho-communist new left revolution based on an anti-market ideology. Barbrook discusses the anti-capitalist nature of free radio stations in France and Italy from 1968, where funding from commercial and state bodies were often refused as attempts to negate the current capitalist economic system and explore the sustainability of other models. Let's take a look at the gift economy in market times. It has been discussed by Stratton, gifts substantiate personal ties and affirm relations of intimacy, while on the other they indicate community membership. It thus comes to no surprise that given this level of altruism, the physical implications of gift culture has inherently been exploited by market ideology for decades. Whilst we all privy to buy one get one free, gifts with purchase and free sample marketing concepts, these forms of selling strategies have been crucially fundamental to the success of many companies. In the digital economy, the idea of free coincides with gifting and applies to a vast array of e-business models. Now let's look at the free marketplace. Anderson outlines four main areas surrounding the idea of free in a capitalist economic model. Firstly, direct cross-subsidies. Under this model, any product that entices you to pay for something else is classed as free and is free to everyone who is willing to pay, eventually. An example of this is buy one get one free deals which lure customers into the store to purchase other goods. Telcos make money from voicemail, add-on packs and contracts in instead of free minutes. Low cost and sale items are absorbed into other products, for example the, the recent marginal cost scheme implemented by Coles on their generic brand of milk causes the prices of other basic necessities to increase at an amount hardly noticed by the consumer. Point number two, the three-party market. Content, services, software and other such things are free and they're free to everyone. An example of this is when advertising companies pay for media real estate to support the cost of the content producer. Websites are free due to the ad support on each page, and the producers sell readers to the advertisers. On television, content is supported by advertising in designated ad breaks throughout programming. Point number three is freemium. In freemium, anything that is matched with a premium paid version is free, and it's free to the basic users of that service.
Examples of this are websites with lock services such as storage companies like iCloud and YouCentit, where you need to pay for extra storage on, on top of your free allocated amount. Apple's app stores where both free and paid premium versions of the software exists is another example of this. And finally, point number four, non-monetary markets. In non-monetary markets, anything people choose to give away with no expectation of payment is classed as free, and it's free to everyone. An example of this is the most central free type of gift economy. Non-monetary markets like Wikipedia and iTunes U encourage the dissemination of information at no cost. However, where free dwells in the corporate model, non-monetary forms of payment are deferred to providing information attributing to attention and usage patterns of the consumer via databases. Now let's look at consumer gift giving. The foundations of non-market economic systems have resurged in recent years with the ubiquity of digital convergence. The replicability of digital information coupled with the insurgence of rich media such as music and video content on the web has panicked the major creative industries as information distribution software has become widespread. Whilst copyright laws have and continue to exist in every country, it has become difficult to police and prosecute such mass-scale infringements as file sharing remains embedded in mainstream internet use. The creation of Napster in 1999 shifted the music industry into a consumer gift system where internet users across the globe could share their music collections with one another and essentially renegotiate ideological polarities involving the economic model of music market exchange. Consumer gift giving is a theory suggested by Geisler where gift systems can also evolve around consumption, much like that seen in Potlatch. Instead of personal sacrifices attributed to non-digital gifting, scarcity and thus monetary transactions are eased to an almost zero-cost economy of duplicating and spreading information showing an obvious conflict with the music industry. Morse discusses the morality of reciprocity in gifting based on three societal obligations. Firstly, to give, secondly, to receive, and finally, to repay. It is this exact formula which not only sustained the short lifespan of Napster until 2001, but also it's more difficult to prosecute BitTorrent Cousin. Geisler argues the following. Napster seems to reflect an ideological transition from music ownership to music access. At Napster, it is not important to own the copyright but to have unlimited access to a web of shared music. Thus, the continued reciprocal sharing of information keeps this gift economy thriving. Now let's have a look at how Apple colonised the digital music industry. The birth of the iPod in 2001 quickly became a phenomenal success, with Apple monopolising the digital music market, as well as creating a new market in MP3 devices where users were able to carry their entire music collection in their pockets. By 2004, Apple had over 87% of the hard drive music market. Despite the steady increase in digital music consumption, Apple's marketing campaign slogans such as Rip, Mix and Burn, 1000 Songs in Your Pocket that were released in 2001 and Your Top 40,000, which was used in the year 2009, was a direct acknowledgement of the gift economy. Realising that most consumers are not going to purchase thousands of songs on their iPod, but will inevitably embrace the benefits of large-scale music collecting through musical sharing, highlighted with the Rip, Mix and Burn slogan, 
Apple's hardware and marketing strategy in some ways became endorsements of the gift economy in digital music. However, the implementation of fair play as a form of digital rights management, where consumers are only able to distribute their downloaded tracks over a very limited amount of devices, was a decision of record labels and not Apple. Nevertheless, this worked well in Apple's favour as it locked users into one main device, the iPod, and boosted Apple's sales to an unprecedented level. So in conclusion, let's take a look how Apple iTunes makes money from giving away its free services. Apple's iTunes software has become a standard music management system for millions of users worldwide. Apple embraces the gift economy by freely distributing its software for download to consumers, even those without Apple devices. This not only builds its brand equity via a software presence on a user's computer, but provides a direct link to Apple's service regarding consumer music consumption patterns through Apple's online data analysis services Genius and Ping. The deferred revenue strategy appeases Apple's client base with free services while simultaneously building data about how to improve the Apple services. As Kevin Kelly poignantly clarified, one of the laws of generosity's corollaries is that value in the network economy requires a proto-commercial stage. Innovations must first be seeded into the inefficiencies of the gift economy to later sprout in the commercial economy's efficiencies. As suggested in the Knowledge Economy section, Apple's free content platforms such as iTunes, as well as much of its App Store, Bookstore and Podcasts, can be attributed to the idea of building Apple's brand equity and to provide a ubiquitous, loyal, fervent user base that will fulfill Apple's long-term strategies of hooking its consumer base on its devices that will ensure loyalty to its products for years to come. Thank you for listening to this podcast and please take time to listen to the other podcasts in our e-commerce series.